Katie. I'm Erica. And this this is is Book Talk. Hi, Erica. Hi, Katie. I am so excited to talk about this book today. I can't even do an intro. We had to test our audio to see like how, you know, how the levels are. And I was like, I'm not going to be screaming that loudly. Now look at me. I want to scream. I love this book. But it was, oh my God, I love this book. Okay. So I'm going to summarize it for everybody. I think how we're going to do it is just summarize the kind of storylines and how it all wrapped up. So the one storyline we had from the past was Aggie and her marriage to Gus. Um, and we learned a lot about how they ended up where they were today. And that was a truly tragic and heartbreaking story of what Gus did to Aggie and to Inti and his abusive relationship that they were in and how they finally made their escape. Um, Gus is not dead, which was a shock to hopefully not just me. And then in the present, we have a couple different storylines. So Duncan and Inti um, kind of go through a lot together. We know Inti is pregnant. She ends up birthing the child in the woods, which is a wild storyline. Um, and then raising that baby with Duncan. Uh, this kind of coincides with how Inti and Aggie's story comes to an end with the three of them living in the house together um, and Aggie eventually riding off and we think possibly committing suicide. Um, one part I forgot to mention in the middle there is that Aggie tried to kill Duncan. So that's why it was a little awkward at home with them and the baby. The last storyline we wrapped up was the townspeople. Um, I felt a lot of empathy from Red, which I do want to talk about that storyline later. Um, and the wolves are successfully rewilding um, and hopefully hopefully going to be okay. I Did I forget anything? That was the craziest summary I've ever I read, mean, except for... Probably. Yeah, we probably forgot a lot. But, I mean, how do you That's summarize true. a book like this? I really, I cannot. Oh, okay. What did you think of it? What's your rating? What is, like, your overall feeling after finishing this book? I love this book. I'm in a string of really good books right now, and this is right up there. This is probably my, this probably bumped the power down to number three, and this is probably my second favorite book of the year. Number one, obviously, Detransition Baby. Nobody can beat Tori, but I think this is my number two. I absolutely loved this book. There's so much to think about. There was so much that happened, and I find found that this last section was very satisfying. It told you everything you needed to know to understand the characters as they are, but it also wrapped up a lot and honestly wrapped up so much. I found myself constantly impressed by Charlotte's writing in terms of both how beautiful it was, but also the amount of plot that she was able to capture. Like she, you know, we have this, pregnancy birth insane story in the woods which come on incredible and in one sentence I think she described motherhood better than I've ever heard it I'll need a mom to confirm this but she has this is on page 240 and 241 um she takes a huge breath and is breathing into my lungs lungs we share and I thought my condition was a trick a curse a burden to carry but in this moment it is a gift she opens her eyes and looks at me I am halved and doubled at once. I lo- I mean, I am halved and doubled at once is, I mean, again, not a mom. We'll need a mom to confirm. But I would say the perfect description of motherhood. Like, I also am just like, I can't even tell you how impressed I am by somebody who can write a book like this. I 
adored this book. I loved every minute of reading it. I honestly read it kind of quickly because things have been kind of crazy. And I already want to go buy a hard copy so it can be on my shelf and maybe read it again because I feel like I missed things and going through it quickly. Um, it was just so good though. Every single storyline I feel like she did, she did justice to. I feel like I, the whole last section, none of it I could have predicted. I was like jaw dropped the whole time. Plus there's a love story in it. Plus I feel like there's a lot to talk about with, you know, even, even in today's like political climate, there's a whole discussion there about the townspeople and the climate change efforts. I, but none of it was so in your face that you couldn't have a conversation. I feel like it made me come out of what I normally think and see other perspectives. I mean, yes, top book of the year. I can't, it was so good. I don't know if it's my top book, but it's like one of my top books. I meant that like, uh, it's in the top of my books. I don't do the reading until I'm done. I might read a gem in the next couple of weeks. That's true. That's true. The but it's definitely, over. but it's definitely up there. Like it was, I loved it. One really shocking part of this, this section for me was the Gus and Aggie and Inti in that awful traumatic night. What did you think about Gus's character, how that storyline ended, what you felt throughout it? Ooh, man, that was one of the hardest sections to read, probably of almost any book I've read. Just having that picture in your mind of what was happening in the room, but also knowing that Inti is holding witness to it and feeling it herself. We'll talk later with Stephanie about like how this is a metaphor for empathy of like truly seeing what someone else is going through and feeling it and how immobilizing that can be. But the scene of the two sisters like laying and basically enduring this together and Inti not wanting to leave her, I thought was so excruciating, so painful and made so much sense because now it was, you know, the question hovering over our heads the whole time. Like, what happened to Aggie? How did it get this bad? How did someone who was so strong and so vibrant and the more outgoing of the twins, how did she kind of become this shell of herself? And now it's like, oh, because of this horrible and like long, you know, destructive relationship that we're only seeing a part of. Right. Um, and there, oh, there are signs like her signing, like, go get out now. It's fine. And then and he's staying up on it. I cannot imagine bearing witness to someone that I loved so much be like intimately bearing witness to a situation like that and being able to not do something irrational or not leave. I don't know it. That was such a crazy section to read, but I do think it gave some clarity to their relationship, like Inti and Aggie's. Um, but it was like still really heartbreaking. Gus is also such a perfect evil character because he drives this, pain and this searching through Inti of why would somebody do this? Why would somebody intentionally cause this much pain to someone that she loves so much? Why would he, you know, take her voice from her as she describes it? And she finally has this climactic scene where she has him. She's going to slice his throat. She's going to do it. She's going to get revenge for her sister. And she's just begging him, like, tell me why you did it. And in that moment, she sees him just like detach from reality and like go into this other place. And it's that knowing that you can't know that sometimes there is no why sometimes there is no answer for specifically like human violence compared to the answers that she has for when the wolves commit violence and what that means for them and how it's kind of instinct versus this unknowable human evil in Gus. Beautiful, beautiful, but so dark, but also such a, again, I love the way that, Charlotte is pitting these two 
forces of violence and evil against each other, the violence of the wolves and the violence of Gus. Yes. And I think that there is kind of this parallel to like number 10 wolf is like, she's uncontrollable. She's beyond instinct for feeding herself. She's now just like realized she can like whatever it is, it's unexplainable. And I think with that wolf specifically, she's like, some wolves are just not meant to be caged or some people are not meant to be domesticated or not meant to go through trauma and, and be okay after or whatever it is. But at some point she's like, this wolf has to be put down for the greater good. And obviously I feel like on a much more like insane level, she was like, let me do that to Gus too. But then when she saw him eye to eye, she saw his humanness and was just like, just so you know, I am capable of this though. So stay away. Um, and I think it was kind of crazy how you see that trauma of, of what Gus did to Aggie kind of pulled through this entire book. Like it informs how Indy deals with people. It informs Aggie's decisions when she tries to kill Duncan and protect her sister. It informs every relationship they have. And I feel like in such a short book, she did such an amazing job of tying that together. So you can see how an event like this is never a one-off and you're okay, but how it truly affects the entire lives of people, even if they are okay or functioning. Okay, what did you think about this insane section of her having a baby in the middle of the woods in, like, Arctic snow Well, situation? I felt like this section was... <laughs> <laughs> the Arctic, for sure. I felt like this section was crazy. I cannot believe. But also, I'm not surprised that, of course, Inti did not pay attention to the clues of her own body the same way she would have been intimately tracking the clues of her wolves for weeks before. Okay, that that checks out, honestly. Um, and then at the end she sees red who comes to get her and she's like, Oh, it's him. He'll leave me here. And then he, he's like, come on, sweetheart, let's go. And like puts her on the horse and probably saves her. Um, and I just thought it was sweet. I think that it made me think about how often we dismiss people who are different than us or who have been raised differently than us or had different beliefs and value systems than us as awful people. Um, because of that, without really fully being able to empathize with their position. And I felt like Red was a good representation of this. He, I mean, he's, he's not nice in the beginning half of this book. He's against Inti in every single way. And he wants her project and her wolves dead. But in this moment, he's still a person. And, and those feelings are probably coming from somewhere deeper that Inti doesn't have the time or the you know wherewithal to understand in the moment. Um, but it just made me think a lot about how it's hard to have empathy for people who, like if, if Inti's seeing the greater good of what rewilding can do and what's happening to the earth, and he doesn't seem to understand it the same way, how hard it can be to still empathize and see how they can be loving people as well. So even that short sentence, like everything that Charlotte did throughout this book, I was like, I can get some kind of greater meaning out of. So I thought that part was sweet. And I think it was meaningful that it was Red who ended up being the one because you can only, you can't save the world by yourself, you know? What was the one sentence that she kept bringing back? Is it the all creatures know love? Yeah. All creatures yeah. know love. So beautiful. Mm -hmm. The lesson from her dad. We loved it. I also, I read the, so you've gotten me into now reading the acknowledgments after I finish oh, a book. I love an acknowledgment. <laughs> yes. I read that. And then I read an interview with Charlotte who could not be mm -hmm. with us because she had her own baby. And I hope it was in a hospital. Um, <laughs> or at least not in the Arctic. I at mean. least not outside. <laughs> Um, but she was like, yeah, it's a book about climate change. And I was like, huh? <laughs> I mean, okay. Okay. That's in there. That's one of the 17 things you wrote about, ma'am. Please. Uh, what? But 
I think the climate change theme is throughout the book, but it is not in your face. And I think a lot of climate change books are like, here's all the awful things happening to the world. We're beyond comprehension because humans suck. And I'm like, okay, well, I'll never, like, I don't want to read that. And this felt like, yes, we are destroying the planet, but there's also this human aspect of hope and love that we can, you know, do something about it together. So it's not in your face, but it is like just a realistic part of what these people are dealing with while they also deal with the rest of their lives. Right. This is like um, the flip side would be like the overstory, which is like explicitly about trees, which is like so ambitious, but it's also like can be a little prescriptive. I like what you said about how kind of the lesson that NT learns. Well, she learns a lot of lessons in this book, but one of them is like probably I could have avoided a lot of this if I had just like talked to the people here and had a conversation instead of come at it in a like combative, aggressive way. Yeah. So that was a good, good lesson. Well, we have a lot more to talk about um, with our guest, Stephanie, on the other side of the break. But what a great book. I hope you all enjoyed it. Again, please, like, we just want to keep talking about these books. So DM us at booktalk underscore podcast on Instagram so we can talk more about what happened with Inti and Aggie and Duncan, our baby boy Duncan. Love him. (laughs) Yes. Let us know your thoughts. Did you love it? What did you think? I mean, the only option is to love it. So we'd love to hear about it. I don't know. There were some critiques on um, on Goodreads, so let us know if you are in that camp and you didn't like it. It's always interesting to hear another perspective. Sounds good. All right. See you on the other side of the break. My name is Stephanie, and I am from Pennsylvania, and my bookstagram handle is Steph Book Talk, and I joined bookstagram in May, so I'm still fairly new, and your podcast was actually one of the first podcasts that I found when I started Aww, this journey. I love that. that, makes that. Me so, happy. <laughs> so thank you. And now you're here with us. It's all coming full circle. <laughs> We, I think what your post about Once There Were Wolves was one of the first that I saw about this mm-hmm. book. But then I think once I saw your post and a couple other people, I feel like then I just discovered this extremely well-rated book, which we're going to talk about today and which is, this is not a spoiler at all, but I'm absolutely freaking obsessed with this book. So I can't wait to talk about it. Okay. The main organizing plot point is the rewilding efforts that Indy is leading. Um, She also meets another character who's taking smaller steps in her own life by rewilding plants in her garden. What do you think the author wants us to take away from this theme? And I didn't even think about the rewilding until I saw this question. And I had to think back to it. Like, yeah, I guess that's the whole beginning part of the story is bringing those wolves back into the Scotland yeah Scottish Scotland yeah not Scottish Scotland um farming area to to kill the deers if my memory serves correct um and I think it, it also can be even for in it herself like bringing into this to help her like grow as you know now that the, you finish the book 
how she changes throughout the book as well. It's crazy how she com- compared the animals, the plants, and humans all in a matter of these pages. Yeah, I liked that part of it. And it's also kind of interesting the way you talked about Inti being like rewilded because at the end, her and Duncan have become very domesticated. So they've almost become the opposite from being very wild in their own right to now having kind of a more traditional relationship and family. But yet, I do think you're right, where Charlotte is using the metaphor of rewilding also with the way Inti's dealing with her own personal journey. Yeah, and how it she ends up being healed in a way by the end. Because I feel that she kind of bounces around and now she's planted, to say the to, pun intended. Yeah, I think of... I think when we think of rewilding, I always think of bringing it back to it being more wild. And Erica, you're like, now they're following into this more traditional way. But I think of rewilding as more of like a healing and coming back to themselves or how they're supposed to be. So rather, I think her settling into the relationship with Duncan is almost her being rewilded also to kind of her natural state or coming into who she is again. So I don't necessarily know that she's like rejecting it, but kind of the same way that the animals are as well getting more comfortable and figuring it out this is a hard word for me okay uh so do you think inti's mirror touch synesthesia is a metaphor for empathy and if it is is empathy always a good thing and can it be dangerous i can't even imagine having this in real life especially in today's world when there's so much going on and if you happen to be at the wrong place at the wrong time and feeling all these things. Like I, I couldn't even imagine. And in her line of work with animals, especially they, it's not like they can talk. So, and you're feeling all the things that they're feeling. Um, I, I would think it is very empathetic because she, she feels and she, and once again, if memory serves correct, she's there when the animals do go down, when there are those, or even when the dog was injured. Like, you could feel her pain that she couldn't do more. How do you feel about reading or maybe portrayals of, like, animal suffering in in movies and books? Because I read, someone said on Goodreads that they stopped reading this book because they couldn't read about the wolves and someone mentioned specifically Duncan's dog being injured as a really hard section for them to read. Animals are the only ones that I, I haven't, not an issue. It won't prevent me from reading. It's nice to know ahead of time, but it's not going to deter me. I work in the insurance field. I see everything and I'm desensitized from so much. So nothing can shock me. I just make this face. As I read, (laughs) a sad face (laughs) for those listening. (laughs) I think it's interesting. I am a much more sensitive reader, I would say, than Erica is. Like, I am easily stressed out or, like, scared or don't like the violence of it. But I didn't think there was – it was that crazy in this book. I think every time an animal was injured or hurt in a fight or died, it was, like, crucial to the plot. So then, you know, it just has – not like it has to happen, but – it's not like unnecessary evil or descriptions. Like the reason you describe what they look like when they were killed by the wolf is so that you know why the wolves are being blamed. Like there's some reasoning behind it. So it made it like, I don't know. I feel like I would be 
I think I'm usually pretty sensitive. I did not think that with this book that it was too much. So it is interesting. But I do think her her mirror touch synthesis, I'm not gonna be able to say that right, um, is is definitely a metaphor for empathy. And I think the same way that she has to sometimes look away, like humans too, we can't hold everything. We can't watch and feel for everything, even though we do. You just you can't live your life <laughs> like reading all of the awful things around and holding on to them. You have to be able to like separate yourself from it as well, which is kind of like the desensitizing you're talking about. If you took everything you read and like held it in your heart for months, how would you like get up and make yourself coffee in the morning if, without like feeling hopeless? You have to like desensitize to it in a healthy way, I guess. Okay. This book is pretty dark in tone and in content. How did you feel about darker books in general? Do you like them? Do you seek them out? Um, when do you think they work for you and when do they not work or you have to kind of put them down? I've read a couple books recently that I believe would be considered dark books. Um, I've started or reading Karen Slaughter and I'm not sure if you both are familiar, but I, I read False Witness this past summer that had to do with um, like uh, pedophilia, assault. There was a whole bunch of things listed in there. And then I also just listened to The Good Daughter, which once again had a whole bunch of dark content. And My Dark Vanessa by Kate Elizabeth Russell. Those, those three are probably the darkest ones I've read. Unfortunately, it's real life, so I feel like I need to to expose myself to this. I, I mean, I'm fortunate I never had to deal with any of the items in any of these books, but I know that there are others out there. And I, even though these were all non or fiction, I know that there are actual individuals who have gone through this, and it's just my way of learning in a fictional way, these stories, and it just, is the world is just so crazy, whether it's here in the United States or elsewhere, any of these things can happen. And as I had previously uh, mentioned, I work in insurance, so I, I see it all. I see abuse claims. I see human trafficking claims. So nothing can shock me, but I do get sad over the animals because they can't speak for themselves. I know. Do you, one thing we talk about a lot is, um, so Erica definitely, I feel like you can speak for yourself here, but I feel like you read, your kind of goal for reading is like reading to learn about an experience you don't have, which I feel like you've said multiple times. Um, and I also read for that, but I also read for like, and a lot more for doing the podcast for strictly entertainment and purposes, like a book that looked cute. Um, and I think how I get through the dark ones is like alternating it. So reading something that's like mm -hmm. putting myself in an awful situation I haven't had to experience and thinking about it. And then like, then reading a rom-com, <laughs> do you find yourself doing that ever or reading kind of lighter books to take or it all just, it doesn't really matter to you when you're reading them? No, absolutely. I, my comfort zone is rom-com and romance books, but I also love thrillers. So just recently I read two rom-coms in a row. So now I have a, a thriller that I'm reading. So after that, I'll probably go back to a rom-com. Um, but sometimes the books I choose are also with buddy reads with other bookstagrammers. So I incorporate it that way. So I'm kind of forced out of my 
comfort zone. But I always go back to my rom-com. Same. Start a podcast with somebody who has opposite reading interests than you, and you will also be forced out of the comfort zone. <laughs> but it's good. It's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we have overlapping. Uh, no, we totally we're do. We're a Venn diagram. I'm just teasing. Sure. Yeah. I feel like for dark you're right, Kate. Like you, Katie, you described it really well. Like my goal in reading is to always learn a new perspective or to like go kind of, I want to have a deeper message. And so for me, like I enjoy darker books as long as they're like saying something. I feel like if it's like gratuitous, like just trying to be shocking, it doesn't, it just feels like it's not worth it to me. Like I am thinking of the book, My Absolute Darling. And I, after I read it, I was like, I would burn this book. Like I hate, I hated it. Uh, I just felt like it was so, I hated reading the scenes. It was like similar. I don't like, I never know how much trigger warning to put in front of, you know, talking about plot points in books, but there's like father daughter molestation that happens. And I just feel like I, I totally hear what you're saying, Stephanie. And like, that this that these things happen and being a witness to it is an important part of reading but also I want a take-home message or I want to learn something or I want it to feel like an authentic experience not like just violence for violence's sake or a descript a really detailed description of a scene like that I don't know I feel I'm I'm not always like pro dark books I guess is how I would summarize my feelings I'm sorry for assuming you're pro dark books <laughs> You could take me there. I want to go through, again, this is the metaphor that we've used a couple of times. I want to go through the blender like emotionally, but I want to like come out learning something. I feel like this book did a really good job of taking you to a, probably one of the darkest chapters I've read mm-hmm. about when Inti and Aggie are essentially being raped at the same time. Um, but it reveals so much about the two of them and it speaks to their bond and it speaks to how they both got themselves into this situation how it's related to their parents like there's so many layers of it that I think make it make it worth going through that and kind of being in that moment with them so kind of speaking of that section Inti and Aggie are obviously incredibly close which we talked about in a couple of our other episodes um both because they're twins and also because of everything they went through which now we know kind of the full story I did feel a little bit weird about their relationship at times, um, but I want to know what you thought about their relationship and kind of how it evolved and how they evolved throughout the book. And I am the eldest, and it's only me and my brother, so I have no sisters. I'm not a twin, but I know that there is, and I believe one of you may have mentioned this in a previous episode, that that they usually do have a bond. Twins have some sort of bond. But I feel like this was heightened and it could be because of what they went through together. And and it has this protection, a feeling of protecting her sister because of what she went through. Um, Definitely very dependent on one another. And that was even before all that had happened with um, Augie's husband. I felt like they were they were just so close. And maybe because I don't have that experience, my brother is in Florida, so he he took his bags and ran like <laughs> he just went. <laughs> um, and and it just it does come off a little 
I don't know, very close. And uh, I feel like it felt too close at times. I was like, why yeah. is that weird? I mean, I get that they went through a lot. I really do. But I feel like, well, we know they were codependent. Like they're not, neither of them is really healing through this codependency. They're not healing at all from what happened to them. But also at times I was like, is it just me that I feel like this is like, and I have a sister, my siblings are twins and they're both younger than me. And I feel like all those things are true, but it's like that you do have a bond. I'm very close to them. I still feel like it's too, but I mean, I also have never been to the level of trauma that they've been through, which I try to think about too. I have no idea how that would affect me going through it. So maybe that's it. Part of what is their intimacy a little bit is that Inti is literally the caretaker of Aggie like in terms of washing her like taking care of her bodily functions things like that that do seem weird for maybe like two functioning adult sisters but when you have one sister who like can't take care of her menstruation that just creates a different bond like she it's the easiest way probably to shower someone is to shower with them and that's kind of what Inti had to do for her sister to be taken care of at like a basic fundamental level. Um, but I think emotionally, Katie, what you're picking up on is this codependency, which is potentially not healthy, but is probably a result of not being able to trust anyone else in the world and having the men in their lives either neglect them or outright abuse them and betray them. Okay. I have to talk about this ending. So obviously this ending had us in our <laughs> quote, Erica had us in our feels. Um, how did you feel like, about how she wrapped up all the stories. So Inti and Duncan, Aggie, the wolves. I feel like so much happened in this last like 20% of this book. And I can't get over that Duncan and Inti and Aggie are still living together. But I knew what did well, you Well, not of? Aggie. Aren't they all at one point? They all live together, but then Aggie commits suicide. No, I know, but for a while they're all living together. Oh, right. Yes. Like after You're it all right. happens, yes. they're still like existing yeah. together. And then yes, she dies. But Okay. What did you think of the ending? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm glad you actually brought up about Aggie because I have here, like, did she kill herself? Like, cause that's how I was taking it as, and that's how I took with her father doing the same. And, and I know you even mentioned, um, and I apologize. One of you mentioned about the father having dementia. That's how I took it. Knowing um, a family member that has it just seeing the parallels of Ida or of the two. Uh, that's how I took, took that. Now I don't think Aggie has that, but I feel like by the end she was at peace that she could, that her sister was good with Duncan and their baby, which I'm upset that I don't think we learned the name of the baby. I really no. wanted to know the name. I mean, the names were wild <laughs> in this book. So I also would have liked to know the name. <laughs> yeah. I would love, um, because I'm a rom-com person, I love the happily ever after. So I would love to have seen her thrive, but it does make sense that she goes off and, and it, I thought it was just a beautiful ending. And it also shocked me. It, it shocked me too. Cause like, oh my gosh, is she really doing this? Is she really just going like off into the sunset? I cannot get over the scene at the end here where we know that Aggie has like tried to kill Duncan and the dog and they're still, they like are still fully trusting her. She doesn't seem like she's fully comprehending what she's doing when she's completing these acts. I mean, she does, but I don't, I don't know. Maybe, maybe she is fully comprehending it, but they're just like, yeah, no, take care of the baby. That's fine. We'll all just live here in harmony until, until they don't live here in harmony. But 
I can't even imagine living in that situation for any amount of time. But maybe I'm being, I don't know. Yeah, that part, that was the one, like, I thought unbelievable part at the end that, like, Duncan can be, like, at peace, sort of. I mean, it seems at least he's tolerating living with Aggie, someone who tried to kill him and his dog. That just seems really, that's asking a lot of somebody. It's one thing to be like, okay, I guess we can do Thanksgiving dinner together. It's another thing to be like, you live with her and she's going to babysit. Like, what? You took my voice? Like, she took his voice from him and, you know, she had her voice taken away from her by Gus. It's just like a weird, that part I didn't, I'm I'm like, Duncan is a great guy, but I don't know if he is that forgiving. But I like what you said, Stephanie, about Aggie finding a way to know Inti is at peace and that Inti is taken care of and then just allowing herself to have the ending that she wanted kind of allowing herself to end the pain not that I would ever condone that but yeah I I agree it was like the ideal way to end it would be for her to kind of go through therapy and to have a support system and to create a maybe more fulfilling life or to have relationships Um, but I think that wasn't necessarily realistic for how dramatic um, her storyline was that would need to be a whole separate book I think for (laughs) Aggie's journey back I liked what you were talking about, Stephanie, with her, with Aggie ending her life and feeling like it was at peace. I feel like it was on her terms and it was a really sad and tragic ending for her, but it also was like, I think more realistic for this book as much as I'd like to be like, okay, Aggie did it and she's fine now. I think it's more realistic that sometimes the trauma of life is just overwhelming for people when they don't have the support to get through it. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Stephanie and I were talking on the side about how, we just like skipped over the part about Inti giving birth in the freaking woods. Oh yeah. Like that I was can't so believe that traumatic. was like just two pages out of the book. It's like, oh yeah. And then she went out in the woods and she gave birth and the wolves came and cuddled her next. Uh, <laughs> okay. But wasn't that so sweet though? When the wolves came. Yeah. But I was like in my dark content, I'm like, they're about to eat this baby. Like I really thought the wolves were <laughs> going to, I think Inti thought that too. Yeah. Um, okay, speaking of that entire part, this story and this book had plot upon plot upon plot. Did any of the storylines seem unnecessary to you or hard to keep up with? For me, I think my hardest part was the dual narratives going on between the past and the present because normally when I read a book that goes back and forth, there are it's separated by chapters or it will tell you the year or 11 years ago. And in this one, I I read it through the library ebook. So it all just kind of flowed together. So until I got used to the format, then I was like, okay, we're going back and forth. And I think in the beginning, it was a little hard for me to understand what was going on because it was going back and forth. But then after, and and then midway through, you, and as, as you both know, it just picks up and you just go. Um, as far as storylines, the whole high school connections and Duncan um, sleeping with the other woman, I get why it was in there, but I also didn't think it was necessarily needed. 
but I know it needed to be in there to group the connections between everybody to get you thinking who possibly could have killed Stuart. So that, yeah, I think that that's the only yeah. storyline that I was just like, meh. And to give Stuart a motivation to seemingly be going to Duncan's. I feel like he also could have been motivated just by Duncan standing up against him after he had the conversation with NT. I agree. I think it was like another storyline I was trying to keep track of. I'm like, okay, is Duncan going to go back to Lainey? Or are they going to be like, now you having a baby? And it was kind of irrelevant. Like, I feel like I get why we did it, but I was trying to track it the same like way that we tracked all these other things going on and ended up not being that crucial. But her and the farmer Red did end up like coming back. And I appreciated that. I was thinking about it today. I think this is one of the most technically impressive books that I've read this year because of how many layers there are. Like each one of these kind of plots or themes could have been their own book. Like you don't even need the rewilding effort for this to be like an amazing story. But there's the rewilding. There's like Inti and Duncan. There's Inti and Aggie. There's like her mom. There's like the just so many different layers of what is happening and then there's like the drama with the townspeople um I think the one storyline that I didn't really love or that I didn't feel like got enough attention was potentially their mom I felt like I'm still confused why her mom does not know that Aggie was nonverbal and basically not functioning for at least a couple of years and I always felt like the conversations with her mom were a little awkward or maybe not quite as well developed. So that was like the one character I was confused by. And then it's sort of like, oh, yeah, I'm also dating this guy you've never heard of. I can be happy, too, as a way to wrap up that storyline. I felt like that was just kind of like clunky and maybe not necessary. But it's one way that Inti is like beating herself up about not knowing who Gus was and why he was the way he was because it's like oh yeah mom was right all along I don't know that was the one part I felt like could have been done a little bit better but oh my god hats off to Charlotte this is like such an impressive and amazing book and I know for myself I didn't know what I was getting into this is one of those that Bookstagram made me do it. I kept seeing it on a couple of Facebook groups that I was in when it came out on Book of the Month. And then I was starting to see it on the Instagram side as well. And I'm like, I need to, I think I need to check this out. And when books are that hyped, I don't tend to read the description because I don't want to know what's going to happen. So in my head, I'm thinking it just was really about wolves. I didn't know there was going to be a love story. I didn't know there was going to be a murder. So it was just, it had everything in it. It, it was it was really good. It's probably going to be in maybe my top five of the year. I agree. I was like very impressed. I did not know what to expect coming into it either. Um, we usually put a bunch of books in a hat that we pick out of. And this is one of Erica's picks. And I was like, I'm just not going to read the description. So I feel like I was just like jaw dropped the whole book. It was so, and I wasn't like lost either though. It was like, it wasn't, I didn't think it was confusing to follow. And it was also like really engaging. One alternative title for the book was creatures all, which relates to a theme. We heard them reference a few times in the book, which is that all creatures know love. Um, at the same time, all creatures in this book have a wild and dangerous side. What do you think about the author's position that humans and animals are alike? Do you agree? I absolutely agree. And I think we see that in the book because 
we see the wild and dangerous side of the humans when they went around to get one of the wolves and dismember him. My God, I forgot about that part too. Oh, I mean, people are incredibly dangerous and wild, as we all know from the news. And we all just want to cuddle with kittens and dogs. And we know <laughs> there's those memes and saying out there that, like, I like three people and my dog. <laughs> Because dogs just, I mean, I have a dog, so I'm partial. <laughs> They're just same. So <laughs> they just give you that affection. Um, and it also just shows that we are just so much alike. Um, and just we have those instincts just like animals do. Indy has that a related thought when she's about to kill number 11, I think. I had a hard time keeping the wolves straight. I like needed a picture with their numbers. <laughs> That would have been great. We need like a picture with their numbers at like the beginning of the book so we could flip back and forth. They're like, which one is the one that was all white? Which one was the runt? But Inti mentions that even when the animals do something bad or harmful, like when they hurt, when they, uh, one of the wolves ate a cow, I think that was the issue. They ate one of the farmer's cows. And she said like they, they just, it's all, it's not coming from a malicious place. It's like humans hurt each other to hurt each other animals are just doing like they're just following their instincts they're just like doing what they can to survive I think Charlotte plays with that a lot in this book of like why are people doing what they're doing how much are they aware of what they're doing how evil is Gus really can Gus even articulate why he's doing what he's doing and like what even happened to him to cause him to want to cause this type of pain on his wife and I think that's she's like toying with this like intentionality and evil and purpose and harm in a way that's so like juicy and also really hard to come down on one side or the other. But Inti's clearly picked a side. She's like wolf, pro wolf, anti human. <laughs> pro wolf, anti human. I'm not mad about it. <laughs> um, okay, so Stephanie, what else are you reading right now? And are there any books that you would recommend? I just finished this past weekend The Love Hypothesis by Allie Hazelwood amazing phenomenal lived up to all the hype i saw a buzzy book oh yes and i've had it because it was my book of the month choice in september and i finally got to it i'm like why did i wait so long and then i also just finished the matzo ball by gene Meltzer, which is which is a jewish rom-com so that's outside my comfort zone i'm catholic i grew up catholic so learning about the Jewish Jewish faith was, you know, I, I wanted to diverse my reading with that. And I'm currently reading If We Are Villains by ML Rio. This is going to be uh, the thriller, mystery thriller. So we'll see how that goes. I've been hearing about that here and there. Um, recommendation. Um, I recommend the book Mary Jane. It's a YA book by Jessica Anaya Balu. And if you have the opportunity to read the or listen to the audiobook, I highly recommend that. It's a great audiobook. Felix Ever After by Kaysen Callender. That's also a YA book. Phenomenal. It's about a trans teen in a love triangle and just trying to survive high school. One that recently just came out, All the Fields by Olivia Dade. I will always 
try to promote plus size romance. And this is a great plus size romance that just, as I mentioned, just came out last week. And one that's coming out in a couple of weeks that I was fortunate enough to get a um, arc on, an advanced copy. It's called If This Gets Out by Sophie Gonzalez and Kale Dietrich. It's about two boy band members that fall in love. And if you know me, I'm a huge boy band fan. I will live and breathe boy bands till the day I die. <laughs> so this one was just right up my alley. So look for that um, December 7th. Those are awesome. That's such a such a good like wide spectrum of books. You're making me think too, Stephanie. We should do a YA like a one off episode, Katie, with a YA author potentially, because that's a that's a genre of books I've never read before. But so many authors, like Jacqueline Woodson, has a couple of YA books. I think. Yeah, she does. So it'll be a interesting. Couple, yeah, I think Emma Schraub does too, but I could be wrong. Um. No, those are great. I'm adding all those to my rom-com list, as you were saying, because I've, like, hit the reading goal for the year. So I'm like, no need to be productive anymore. I will just read rom-coms for the rest of the year. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming, though. We loved having you on. Thank you for coming. You, you, were so- so, you were so right. We freaking loved this book. So you called it. You knew, like, this was right up our alley, and you were right. So thank you. It was great having you. Oh, thank you so much. Yes, I wanted, um, when we were speaking – I wanted to send emojis without giving anything away. <laughs> so the mind blown, the crying, the heart. It was just, it was everything. It was a, a great book for for anyone who likes the romance, someone who likes thrillers, throw in the animals in there as well. But thank you for having me. Okay, talk, 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 talk. You go first, because I think <gasps> we're both excited to talk about what we're reading right now, but by all means, tell me. I literally forgot what I'm reading, so you go first. I forgot okay. the title. Go ahead. Um, two of my best friends that I've known since I was bored recommended the same book this week um, without knowing the other person recommended it, Jen and Elena, who both may listen to this podcast. Two people who don't read a ton of books, you know, but... And have very different reading interests than me. And I was like, okay, that's never happened in my life. So I picked up this book called House in the Cerulean Sea. And I'm loving it. Have you read it? I have not read it, but I have heard of it. I It's so unlike anything I'd ever read. It's like this guy who works for the Department of Magical Youth. And there are all these like, and that's like on the, you know, the cover of it or whatever. Like these orphanages to take care of the children who are magical and can't control their powers yet. Anyways, I'm loving it. I'm just like smiling and this main character is so grumpy and I'm just obsessed so far. I'm 20% and I started it today. So I'll let you know. <laughs> wow. Amazing. Well, mm-hmm. I, you told me to read Song of Achilles next and I started it, but I also picked up <laughs> Beautiful World, Where Are You? by Sally Rooney, which I had also started a while ago. Oh yeah. I am obsessed with it. I love it so far. I think... So Beautiful World Where Are You is about two like related characters, Eileen and Alice. I'm obsessed with both of them. First of all, I am Alice and I want a best friend like Eileen. She's like this super, super smart person in like a troubled relationship. I don't want to spoil too much. It's really, really good. I'm loving it. I love their like witty long. They write each other these like really long emails, which is just like so cute. They're like little pen pals. Oh, okay. Um, Yay. Can't wait to hear more about it. I also got Station Eleven, 
by Emily St. John Mandel from the library. So I have to read that because I have to mm. take it back to the library. Um, but that's interesting to be really good too. Oh my gosh. I'm yeah. really in a string of amazing, like back to back, really, really good books. This is so. exactly where I like to be. I might read the power next just so I can be on the same string of really We're good on a books. high, baby. Well, in our world, it is almost Thanksgiving. So happy Thanksgiving, Katie. I hope you enjoy your turkey day. Okay, happy Thanksgiving. Have a great week in with your family. Yay. Book Talk is made by me, Erica Bailey, and Katie Cheney, with production support from Dan White. Our theme music is by Dan White. We'll see you next week. Okay, um, so, oh shit, we got to do the summary. How do you even fucking summarize the end of this?